Hello, is this La Mangosta, Victor Henry? Unfortunately, it is. <laughs> Why you gotta say unfortunately? I mean, do you normally get recognized for being an ass-kicking, submission-slinging mongoose? <laughs> nah, I usually get recognized for uh, being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I can understand that. I can understand that. So I'm about to go. But you know what? It's usually it's my job, though. I work at a bar, so usually when I have to interact with people, it's because they got to leave. Understood, understood, because you don't want to be giving them, like, too many drinks and then end up having to be the cause of an uh, investigation. No, I'm the bouncer. Oh. I'm not giving any drinks. Well, sometimes I, I help out behind the bar, but most of the time, I'm the bouncer. Oh. Which is funny when I... When a 5'7 guy who's like 148 pounds has to go up to a guy who's like 6'3", 220, and say, excuse me, sir, you got to go. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, well, who's going to kick me out? And I'm like, ah, oh, great, here we go. Yeah. I mean, as long as you pretend like you're training with, Bosch, I mean, with Josh Barnett when it comes down to kicking the bigger guys out, you know, you got to at least try and be creative when it comes down to that stuff. Yeah, well, what the the trick that I usually use is, since we got a live DJ, mm -hmm. I always tell him, hey, man, I got to talk to you real quick. But I'll say it like, hey, man, I got to talk to you. Like, I'm real low. And the guy goes, what? And I say, I can't hear you. So I get him outside by saying, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. So follow me outside so I can talk to him. And now I got this guy outside under the, and he thought that we were going to have a conversation. But I'll tell him, hey, man, you can't be... You can't be flashing women at, you know, or you can't be over drinking or you can't be doing whatever the heck he's doing. But now that I got him outside, I ain't got to worry about getting in a fight with him inside the bar. Understood. You know what I'm saying? Understood. <laughs> so I play little mind games that way. Right, right. <clears throat> so, yeah, it works. Yeah, it, it does work. I mean, by the way, I just gotta ask before I bring Andrew into the chat. I just heard that, you know, one of the guys that normally are on one of Josh Barnett's shows, actually a couple of guys that are normally on a few of Josh Barnett's shows, Kevin, I mean, Killer Kevin Cross and Timothy Thatcher, they just signed to the WWE. I mean, uh, I mean, I know we probably asked this shit before, but... I mean, do you think that you'll ever get into professional wrestling? Uh, probably not. Only because that is um, that is a very specific thing that, you know, it's an interest of theirs and it's not really an interest of mine. You know, if I ever do it, it'll be probably later on down the road. But as of right now, I'm not really interested in it. I mean, I know, I know the train they go through and I know the the training that Josh puts them through because when they come in the room, they train with us. They, they spar, they wrestle, they do everything. They don't do, they do some specialized training at the very end of it, but for the most part, they, those guys are in there with us. So they're learning the moves just like we're learning the moves. And, we, you know, so then at the end, they kind of do their, um, their, um, their, their, uh, work aspect of it, you know, but as for me, I don't know. I doubt it. Understood, understood. Because I understand it's not really all that easy to be taking bumps, and then you got to worry about the head trauma, and you know, trying to protect your own damn head. Yeah, I mean, yeah, throwing yourself on the mat, on the canvas rather, and then having this big hulking dude just go ahead and throw you down like that. And mind you, I'm not a big guy. A lot of those divas are bigger than me. <laughs> so I don't know what, what am I going to do go in there and rain Mysterio myself around uh probably not yeah probably not so yeah. I'm more likely to get into a uh, stunt work oh you mean like be in Hollywood films yeah things like that because I've already done a couple movies <laughs> You know, for uh, some of Josh's friends, and I was in that movie, Pandemic. So, you know, it, it, it's, I think it's on Netflix right now, but, yeah, I was in that movie. And, 
doing that stunt work was actually pretty fun. Understood. I mean, the person that I'm trying to bring in, Andrew Benjamin, he's also a SAG actor, certified, I mean, certified background actor, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure he'd probably tell you more about that if he get on the fucking call. <laughs> what is he, uh, is he lagging like I was yesterday? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, other than that, how you guys been? I've been doing all right. I mean, obviously, I've been trying to get this, you know, podcast. Uh, I've been trying to get this podcast thing up for me. And also, I went to the Royal Rumble this past week, and it was really a crazy thing, you know, just to be a part of something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the next uh, blood sport is going to be during that uh, WrestleMania during, weekend. During that, yeah, WrestleMania weekend, and blood sport is actually going to be on the first night. Oh, so, right. And according to Josh, they think this uh, blood sport thing has been picking up immensely, and, and it's going to be pretty hard to uh, to uh, get a ticket. Outdo blood sport? No, outdo blood sport because blood sport has been doing really well. It's been getting a lot of uh, positive reactions out of people. Right, right. So, I mean, of course, why the hell else wouldn't there be many people signed from that event? Yeah. So. And I mean, the only thing that I can imagine is, I know that Josh been talking about this, but the only thing that I can imagine is like a full-blown UWFI revival. Yeah. That'd be pretty. Uh, you know what? That would be cool, but that would be... Uh, Probably like a one-off, because I think that, that Josh has his own direction that he wants to take Bloodsport, you know, with it being um, with no ropes and just that elevated platform. He doesn't want all that um, he doesn't running want, on the ropes. Yeah, he, yeah basically, the he basically wants more pure wrestling, less lucha style. Yeah. Okay, so since Andrew can't really hear us, would it be okay for me to just restart this call? Yeah, no problem. All right, I'll talk to you in a little bit. Hopefully when I get Andrew All right, no in. Okay. Let me go ahead and get the entire chat going again. Let's see. One... Two, three. Yellow, yellow. Yeah, I'm sorry, Victor. I mean, I'm trying to get Andrew back on. I mean, I'm trying to get Andrew on the line, but he ain't picking up. Yeah, I, I can understand because he got a lot of shit to do. I mean, after all, he is an actor, as I mentioned. Huh. I mean, if you want, we can just do the interview by ourselves and I can have Andrew join in for a little bit. Hey, I'm, I'm down for whatever you guys are down for, man. Alright. So... As soon as I send a message saying to him I just restarted the call, we can get this going. I just restarted the call. You didn't pick up. Okay, now... I know Andrew normally does this when it comes down to his show, but what I'm going to probably need from you is to say, like, this one little line saying, I'm La Mangosta Victor Henry, and you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Is that cool with you? 
since he ain't picking up. <laughs> okay, on my signal in three, two, no, actually, fuck, what am I thinking? I mean, shit, you live, you live in LA, you're probably more used to people basically counting down from five to one on set. <laughs> I ain't there yet. I ain't used to nobody counting. I remember I live in LA, nobody counts. <laughs> Right, right. But still, let me go ahead and take this shit from the top. <laughs> In five, four, three, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's Chris Gary, and you'll probably hear from Andrew Benjamin at some point in this podcast, and you're listening to yet another edition of the We Are Rising podcast, available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and hopefully soon on all podcast providers. And again, this time around we got yet another repeat guest, but this repeat guest is kicking a whole hell of a lot of ass in the way of being the current deep fighting championship bantamweight champion who is about set on making his second rise in appearance coming up on february 22nd versus masanori kanehara the former ufc fighter the former sengoku featherweight champion at rising 22 from the hamamatsu arena in hamamatsu shizuoka japan he is 19 and 4 overall I mean, he is 19 and 4 overall with a 7 fight winning streak on his back. 5-7-136. Well, actually, 5-7-148. Age 32. Fighting out of Southgate, California, USA, and representing the illustrious, the soon to be world famous UWF USA camp under the direction of Josh Barnett. This is Victor Lamangosta. Henry, how are you doing, sir? Well, when you say all that, it makes me feel like I'm doing a lot better than I than I thought I was. <laughs> I mean, I can understand. It'll only be a matter of time before you do end up getting to that level. But still, man, it's been... I mean, it's fun just to get a chance to hear more about you. Because the last time, you know, myself and my podcast partner, Andrew Benjamin, talked with you, you had... I mean, we had a pretty interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's all most, most of them go with me is uh, not a, really a normal dude. I mean, who picks getting punched in the face as a living? Mm-hmm. Understood, understood. And, you know, I mean, I hate to basically kick things off by talking about your previous fight because I normally want to save it for the middle of this interview. But still... You defeated Trent Gerdham at Rising 18 back on August 18th. And since then, you've been, well, without any opportunity to fight. You haven't been booked for deep. You haven't been booked for the Russians at Russian Cage Fighting Championships. I mean, what have you been doing aside from keeping the deep Bantamweight title warm? Eating. Eating, uh... Eating and sleeping and working—that's all, man. I mean, I pretty much stay in the stay in the gym and try to stay ready for fights. And you know, fights. Certain fights were pre- presented to me. Certain things didn't go down. I was supposed to have a rematch with uh, Dennis Leventry of over uh, over uh, out of RCC in mm-hmm. Dubai. Uh, oh, but he ended up getting. I mean, I yeah. didn't know that they were gonna have an event in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna have our rematch over there. But uh, he had to pull out due to an injury, so there went that. But, you know, there was things hopping around and um, as far as the fight, you know, fight game goes. And I stayed ready and just, you know, everybody was saying, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get you a fight. We'll get you a fight. And then, you know, 
paperwork didn't come through or schedulings didn't, you know, everything was just, everything was just kind of up in the air. So none of it happened, obviously. So I'm glad that now that February's come along, I'm, uh, I'm here for the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. And considering the fact that you have not fought since August, I mean, you've been doing a lot of training, you've been doing a lot of preparation when it comes down to, you know, preparing for that next fight or whenever Shigeru Seiki or Nobuyuki Sakaki borrow the respective presidents and head honchos of Deep and Rising respectively give you that call up. I mean, do you feel that this amount of time being away from the ring or the cage might play a factor? No, I mean, especially when you, uh, I mean, you got guys that are training for fights all the time, you know, um, and I'm involved in so many camps, you know, uh, with either my team or the team over at CMMA with uh, Chad George. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like it's all about me, you know, like after I get my fight, I go back to the gym as soon as possible so I can help other people get ready for their fights. And obviously their head, I understand where their head is at, so they need to, um, they need training partners to push them and push them and push them, right? So they're getting ready for their fights, their, their fights, their fights. And then by me, by uh, me being there for them and helping them get ready for their fights, it keeps me sharp and it keeps me on my toes, you know, because I know these guys are training really hard to, to essentially go out and kick some butt. So it keeps me pretty sharp. Um, I feel that after a while, you know, you understand the fight, the fight game. And I feel like 23 fights into my professional career. Um, you, you're, I'm not really going to get that uh, ring rust, you know, unless I just go straight from the couch to the gym. I mean, to the couch to the fight. You know, I'm not going to. I don't feel like I'll, I'll suffer too much ring rust. I know my opponent has had a few years since he's been in a MMA fight. So, but again, he's got, he's a veteran of over, of over 30 fights. He knows what it is. Yeah. He's been actually, what was funny is I found out that he was, he's actually training or did train with uh, Trent Girdham. Oh. You know, for this camp. We have four to, in pre preparation for me, he went to Tiger Muay Thai over in uh, Thailand. Right, right, just so that he can get more acquainted to facing you. Yeah, makes sense. And I mean, I can understand when it comes down to a fighter like Masanoi Kanehara because he hasn't fought in almost two years, but he's still remaining active in combat sports. It's not like he's sitting around wasting space. He's been, you know... Oh no, he's been he's been grappling with uh, in quintet. I think uh, a few years ago he had a Muay Thai fight. Mm-hmm. He had a so couple the, Muay the Thai fights for knockout. Yeah, so the dude's been active. Mm-hmm. And obviously the dude is a three fight veteran in the UFC. He went one and two overall, defeating Alex Boots, Leroy Caceres, before losing to Haniaya and Michael McDonald, I mean, this is probably going to be your toughest test to date so far in your career. Not to mention the fact that this dude's a former Sengoku featherweight champion. I mean, do you feel that even though you have scrapped with him on the mat before, do you feel that this might pose a bit of a challenge for you again? Uh, I mean, every fight that I've been in since I since my seventh fight, has been a challenge the, none of them have been um i haven't taken a step back in uh in competition ever since my seventh fight i mean my first fight in japan when i was six and one on oh, yeah like i think i was six and one or five and one i can't remember but my first fight in japan was against uh uh hidero tokoro who oh, was the human yeah, octopus. Who, who was a vet yeah yeah, the human octopus, a.k.a. Hideo yeah. Tokoro. Yeah, so, and then, like I said, I remember going to Japan my first time and seeing his highlight video for sale. And I was just like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. I get to fight him. And that was with under eight fights under my belt. You know, and ever since then, it's been challenger after challenger of uh, ex-champion this or, you know, judo Olympian that and... You know, top five guy here, top five guy here. It's all, it's never been a back step in, in, uh, in competition, you know, so 
you know, I feel like most of the people I fight from from since early in my pro career have been top notch competition. Understood, and you know that kind of basically. What am I trying to say? It basically means that you're just getting up in the world of MMA. I mean, obviously, it'll only be a matter of time before you end up being one of those top five guys that everybody doesn't want to face because, you know, you're probably going to bring so much power into that ring or that cage that they're just going to be too chicken shit to face you. Maybe. Maybe. Or, or, um, or they're just not paying them enough. Right, right, right. Yeah. But the reason why I basically say that is because now the Ryzen Bantamweight division has changed up. Matt L. Cape is now the current champion of the Ryzen Bantamweight division. And obviously the Featherweight division, they haven't even thought about making that yet. But Mikuru Asakura may be one of those big stars. But do you yeah. feel that regardless of who you may face, whether it be a champion or a former champion or whatever that you're not going to take that lightly? Um, no, I'm never going to take a fight lightly because no matter who's in there I'm with, um, they're going to try to punch my face off. And it would be disrespectful to them and disrespectful to my own coaches and teammates to take them lightly. You know, like I got into this because, hey, I, for one, I wanted to fight. And then, you know, I wanted to push myself. And then every time I fight somebody... It's always, like I said, it's always top competition people that push me, you know. So, it's always been up, up, and up. The, the goal is to keep going upwards. You know, it's not to have a couple fights and then give me a give me a rest fight. And like, no, that's, that's just being a bully. Right, right. And I mean, to be honest, if you keep basically being a bully, then people will definitely be afraid to face you because they'll think, oh, this guy got a bad reputation. I'm going to try and keep my distance from him. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, well, the thing is also, I mean, I would think that, that at that point, people would want to actually fight me even more and train harder for me. You know, I think that uh, a lot of times people underestimate me because I'm not the fastest. I'm not the... Uh, I'm not the uh, the most devastating knockout artist, and I mean I have some tricky submissions as as I did in my last fight. But you know, people people obviously see a chink in my armor, and every time somebody tries to come and exploit that chink, it's like oh crap! You know, for some reason it's not working. You know. Mm-hmm. Understood. Now. Oh. Okay. Now. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, Christian. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, look who's finally joined the call. It's Andrew Benjamin. How are you, dude? I've been here for a while. I've been here for a while, but yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still at work, so I'm like going to go in and out. But one of the, my question for you, Victor, um, do you, uh, so you two have met before at Quintet, uh, with your friend, uh, Kaihara, uh, and he did win by submission. Do you see yourself trying to want, want to best him in, in, in this kind of like rematch by trying to submit him, or you just want want to give like any any win necessary uh, to avenge that loss to Quintet? I mean, that was a, that was a grappling tournament, and that was a long time ago. That's not even on my that's not even on my mind. I mean, that would that would be that would be me thinking that all he got. All he has is a submission on, is his submissions on me. He's still going to try to go in there and punch me in the face. He's still going to go out there and wrestle me. He's still going to try to submit me just as I would him, you know. So I'm not even, I'm not really even thinking about that. That was then. This is now. Um, I'm training for a fight just like he's training for a fight, you know. If I keep that submission in my head, then I'm never going to move on from that. You know, I just, all I'm thinking about is, oh, don't let him get me on my, get me on my leg. All of a sudden he's punching me in my grill. That's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I to gotta make sure my, my eyes stay open and it's, and, uh, and I'm ready for him no matter where the fight goes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and so, are you preparing for the fight? Are you, are you, do you prepare for this fight any differently than you did for Gurdam or Motoya or any of the fights you had in Russia? Or is it just, you know, another day at the office for you going, uh, uh, going to the, um, uh, when you're with Barnett and the rest of the, uh, uh, crew down there? 
No, I mean, everything pretty much the same. I mean, I think right now we have a winning formula, and if it ain't fixed, don't break it. I mean, well, well if it ain't fixed, don't I mean, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> if it ain't fixed, don't break it. Whatever. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, we do have one question from a fan. Um, at Tita Junk wants to know when you train, what is the music that you like to listen to? Uh, if you do listen to music. All right. Well, that's actually that's actually interesting. Um, it depends on what we're doing the day. Um. If we're grappling and stuff like that, I mean, Josh likes to put, you know, you know, pretty, pretty heavy, pretty much heavy metal. You know, we'll listen to, we'll listen to Creator, we'll listen to, you know, Speed Wolf, we'll listen to all the Sword, we'll listen to a bunch of stuff, Witchcraft, we'll listen to all sorts of, all sorts of metal. Um, sometimes when Josh is a little late to practice. I'll let one of the other guys uh, decide what we're listening to. You know, sometimes we'll listen to the newer rap, and I just kind of, all right, that's enough of that, because it's ignorance. So, <laughs> we'll change it. You know, um, I think uh, the other day, uh, we let uh, one of the girls in the room pick uh, the music. I was like, all right, ladies, what do you guys want to listen to? And they started playing Interpol, and I was like, nope, that's not happening. That's too depressed. <laughs> That's too depressing. And I was like, dude, no wonder you girls are always depressed. You guys get sad. And she's like, we got ovaries. And so I was like, no, nah. <laughs> you know, I get it. I get it. But then you continue the sadness with this music. Oh, my God. I'm done with this. You know but, what? It could be worse. You, they could have you listening to Carly Rae Jepsen or Billie Eilish or some shit like that. <laughs> not Billie Idol, Mom. Billie Eilish. Yeah, Billie Eilish. <laughs> I mean, speaking so, of which, speaking of which, and I know this might be beating, I mean, going off the beaten path, but Billie Eilish basically said, oh, you know, certain musicians aren't like what they say they are. I mean, when it comes down to certain fighters, especially when it comes down to the egos that they possess, do you think that they are certain? I mean, do you think that some fighters are what they say their, you know, mentality is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, Nick and Nate Diaz. You look at George Mosvidal. Those guys, as of, I mean, if you want to look at to into earlier their, of their of the earlier times of their career, especially George Mosvidal, mm-hmm. nobody was really paying attention to him because they weren't they weren't putting on this big old act. You know, they weren't doing the Conor McGregor. They weren't doing the, uh, all the, all the, uh, crap talking, you know? Yep. And then somewhere in the past, what, three, four years, being real has been, uh, has been popular. You know, and it, that's when I saw, you know, of course, the insurgence of George Mike. Of course, with his, uh, his impressive fights over, uh, Darren Till and all that. But, you know, all of a sudden, being a real person, or being authentic, I should say, to uh, to uh, to the fight game. All of a sudden, is like the popular thing, which you know didn't always exactly make you the most money because it didn't get you all that. Um, it didn't. You didn't create a big. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You didn't create a big fuss among the community, mm-hmm. but you stayed authentic. And you know, you look at guys like Frankie Edgar. I mean, he's authentic. He doesn't put on a big show, and he's a nice guy. And everybody's always going to remember Frankie Edgar as, you know, having heart, being nice, being a, a genuine fighter, you know. And then you got guys like George Mosley, same thing, being an authentic person. I mean, yeah, you, you rub him the wrong way, and then all of a sudden you're catching hands in the back like Usman did. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, authenticity is, is, uh, is becoming more popular. And you know, it's funny to me because everybody wants to try and act like Conor McGregor when really, they don't have, really, in a way, they can't really hit a bull's ass with a bass fiddle is what I'm trying to say. Is what we here in Texas partially say, but still, I think that the meaning of everybody trying to act like Conor McGregor is just crazy because... Not everybody has a big ego. Not everybody wants to, you know, flaunt their worth. And I mean, it's like, the second everybody, ah, damn. It's like, 
when it comes down to the UFC's mindset, they only push the stars they want to push, and the other 500 stars, they just don't care about them. Yeah, because at the end of the day, remember, the, the company's got to make money. And if you're not out there saying some outlandish things, you're not making the company money. Exactly. You know? So, fighting, remember, is entertainment first. A lot of guys don't, I mean, I can think back to when uh, when uh, TJ Dillashaw, when he first fought Hennon Burrell for that, uh, when he first fought Hennon Burrell for that uh, bantamweight title. Mm-hmm. TJ Dillashaw was like, what, number five? number four like nobody was saying oh my god you better watch out for tj tj dillashaw right mm-hmm. he was somewhere else in the rankings and then i remember even thinking myself i don't think i don't know why, why would they give tj that fight i mean henry burrell is on a tear right now and he's not even he's not even facing the number one contender or the number two contender or even the number three mm-hmm. you know so tj was all the way down that ladder and then he goes out there and he puts on this brilliant show and then he knocks out hen and was it twice right I think so. Because they gave him a rematch. Yeah, because I think they gave him. It was, didn't they give him a rematch and then he did it again? Yep. So, you know, it just goes to show. It's got to be an entertainment sport. You know, it's entertaining. If you if you're not, you can have all them all the wins, but all boring, like John Fitch. You know, <laughs> talented fighter, talented fighter, putting on all these wins and giving everybody a hard time. But then it's just all wrestling and nobody likes to watch it. Yeah, you're gonna be on the on the on the crap end of the stick. And you know it's kind of crazy that you mentioned John Fitch because I mean, yeah, the dude almost became a champion in Bellator, almost. But people don't really want to. People, if they would have seen John Fitch win the Bellator title, they would have obviously complained that he was boring and he doesn't really provide much to the action because he's a points fighter. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you'll get that a lot. you get that a lot where it's like, okay, just make sure you go out and get the win. It's like, ah, that's boring. <laughs> I mean, come to think of it, no disrespect to the Yamamoto family, but the same can also be said for Miyu Yamamoto as well, because all of her wins have come by way of decision. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, you got to put yourself out there and actually go for the finish. And... I think the difference between American fans and Japanese fans is that the Japanese understand what the heck is going on. I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard like when we'll have a when we'll have some fights at the bar, or I'll be standing in the crowd, or even I'm in the middle of the cage and I'm fighting. Some guy will just say, "Stand up and kick his ass." He's like, "Oh yeah, thanks, guy." <laughs> like, let me just go ahead and stand up while this guy's trying to punch me in the face and hold me down. You know. Hmm. Or like, if they have yeah. you in the clinch position for like two minutes. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I'm trying to, it's like I want to stop. Yeah, hold on. Hey, guy, I'm trying to tire out his arm so he doesn't punch me in the face as quickly. Like, that's why I'm doing this. Oh, okay. Carry on. Thanks, sir. <laughs> and then keep fighting, you know. Exactly. exactly. I, remember, um, I remember I fought, um, I fought here in California. I fought against... Uh, who what was his name? He was a guy from the lab. Um, was his name Kyle? Kyle no, it was Kyle um, Matrix. His nickname is the Matrix. Oh, wait a minute. He just signed to the UFC right now. Um, he's supposed to be fighting soon. Uh, uh, well, anyways, him. Kyle Matrix Phillips. Yeah, Kyle Kyler Phillips. Kyler. Uh, right, right, right. But you were fighting yeah, so him, and I, then what happened? So after the fight, I'm doing my post-fight interview, and then somebody, somebody said something along the lines of like, "No respect, no respect," like basically telling me that I have no respect. And then I was, I look back there, and I, in the middle of the interview, I said, "It's all respect, you know." Like Kyler come came in here, and we put on, a, we put on a, a great fight. It's all respect. That's why we're in here, and you're out there. You know, and then people kind of gave me a round of applause for that when they booed this guy. But, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's, it only goes to show like some people are just and I understand it might have been one of Kyler's guys that wanted Kyler to win. And I handed Kyler his first official professional loss. You know, yeah, because so. he was on the ultimate fighter. <laughs> uh-huh. 
so. for, for, for you, Victor, I'm curious to know, uh, out of all the fights that you had, what was the one, uh, the one that, I guess, how should I say, the one that you received the most either injuries or damage, or like the one that you felt the worst after, if you can recall? Afterward. Yeah. Mm, num, 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 num. I would have to say, emotionally or physically? Oh, well, well I didn't even, I was thinking physically, but hey, both emotionally and physically, let's go for both. Um, emotionally, uh, my second fight with Ueda. Masakasu Because, yeah, Masakasu Ueda, because I had that triangle locked up in the first round, and then my body just shut down on me. I don't know if it was just crappy weight cut. I don't know if it, I went into that fight and I was, I thought I was ready and everything. And, you know, I, I slapped that triangle on the first and I was squeezing. And all of a sudden just, it was like the fight just left me. And I remember fight being in there and just thinking, get in it, get in it, get in it. Because I've seen, I've seen fighters where they, you could just see the fight leave them. And I remember being in there and be like, no, like, I don't feel... I don't feel like the fight has left me, but for some reason I just can't get going. You know, like I'm not just gonna quit. And then later on, that uh, of course later on in the fight, I ended up hitting that sweet, uh, sweet lateral drop on him. So I knew that my body was capable, and I knew that I could do it. But for some reason, it just wasn't coming out. So after that fight, and I lost that decision, I was just you know it was more upsetting to myself because I knew that I knew that my body had it. But I couldn't find a way to turn it on. I couldn't find the, the, you know, I couldn't make my body just do it, you know. So that was emotionally for that one. Physically, uh, let me see. I guess the fight after Ishiwatari. Shintaro. You know, yeah, Shintaro, Ishiwatari. We beat the crap out of each other. But then again, I went to a magic show that night, so it was whatever. <laughs> yeah, we were in Japan, and I was like, "What am I gonna do? Sit here in my hotel and be sad that I lost?" No, it was a great fight. Both of us beat the crap out of each other. I think he went to the hospital after, and I went out to a night. Uh, I went out to a magic show. <laughs> understood, understood. But you know, going. I mean, actually, when Andrew asked that question just now, it just basically reminded me that have been recently. Five passings in the world of combat sports. Four in kick, I mean, four in boxing, one in kickboxing, and almost all of them had something to do with a fighter dying in the ring from excessive head trauma or excessive body shots, mostly taking place during the fight or prior to that in training. If you had what it. I mean, if you basically went up to the California State Athletic Commission and told Andy Foster, you know, hey, I think there needs to be some changes done, you know, to prevent all these fighters from dying, what would those be, and how do you think they would change the world of combat sports? Well, I think definitely they're on the right track already with the, the weight-cutting uh, limitations. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that is, up until recently they weren't doing anything about it. <laughs> like, they would, they would say it, but they wouldn't do anything about it. You know, I had a fight against well, Kyler Phillips. Mm -hmm. When I fought Kyler Phillips, he was in the ring, he was in the cage at 156 pounds, which is seven pounds over the uh, the allotted limit that you're actually allowed to in the state of California mm -hmm. for a post, uh, for post, I mean, for my, for my weight class. Um... And I remember hearing, maybe seven days before, hey, they want to do the, California State wants to do the fight at 140 because Kyler Phillips can't make the weight. And I said, no, the fight is going to be at 135 or there's not going to be a fight at all because I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to do everything I need to do in order to meet the California State requirements. By the way, for bantamweight, it's one month before you cannot weigh more than 149.5. Mm. The week of, you can't weigh more than 145. And then uh, after you cut the weight, you make the weight at 135. The day of the fight, you cannot weigh more than 149.5. Mm. So essentially, you can't, get it, you can't get past 150 on the day of the fight, right? So 
when I fought Kyler Phillips, he was 156. You know, and of course, the commission just, because they make you weigh in, so the commission logged his weight, and then there was nothing. There was no, um, there was no penalty against him. Um, I don't know if they, if, if they're going to make him, if he wants to fight in California again, I don't know if they're going to make him, uh, fight at 145. Like, it's just, it's just so up in the air that there's no, um, there's no follow through with the rules. So it's like, yeah, these are the rules, but there's no follow through. So it's like, why even follow the rules, right? And so, I mean, come to think of it, seeing the fact that in the state of California, there's three new weight divisions to prevent that from happening. I think it's super lightweight, super middleweight, and cruiserweight, if I'm not mistaken. You know, hopefully there won't be any yeah. more problems like that, even though most states in this country, most MMA state commissions in this country, especially down here in Texas with the... Department of Licensing and Regulations Combative Sports Program, they definitely need to do something when it comes down to fighters weighing in. Yeah, well that's that's something that I would that I would say is that that needs to get addressed, you know, the weight cutting and then if you're gonna if you're gonna enforce a rule, then enforce a rule, you know. Um, I fought Anderson Baringa, who is also in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He uh and I beat him by TKO at the end of the second. He come in and he was 154, something like that, and I was 144 pounds again. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, right, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be fighting in California and they have these rules in place, I gotta make sure I follow the rules. I can't control what other people do. I can control what I do. You know, so I follow the rules, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, what's happening? And they were like, oh yeah, the fight's going on. I was like, okay, well, I guess that's it. You're just gonna let him do that, okay? And if there, so what I'm thinking is, okay, if you come in overweight, because I don't know if you guys remember when Vitor Belfort fought uh, uh, Rumble Johnson. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that fight. So when Rumble Johnson came in overweight, Vitor Belfort said, okay, we can still fight, but he can't weigh more than X amount on the day of the fight. And then you go in there and find out Rumble Johnson, is he looked like crap because he didn't, he had to basically, he couldn't rehydrate properly, you know, or at least all the way. Mm-hmm. So he was still fight. he was still fighting not at a hundred percent, which in one sense is very smart on Vitor's part. Cause he's like, yeah, we're going to take this fight. I'm still going to get money because he missed weight. So I'm going to get 20% of his purse. And then not only that, but I'm, ke- I'm fighting half a man tomorrow. <laughs> you know, because the UFC enforced that rule. And then, um, and then Rumble Johnson honorably, uh, held up his part of the deal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's honor. You know, you can't, you can't just go out there and be like, nah, screw it. Like, he honorably did, he held up his part of the deal. Which I respect, you know? Right, right. Now, another question I want to ask is, and I know this is probably a, this probably ain't, a happy topic to talk about. I know that you're from LA, so even though you're probably not a huge basketball fan, you definitely know who Kobe Bryant is, right? Yeah, I remember. I remember his first Adidas shoe. It looked like a spaceship. <laughs> but yeah, considering, I mean, considering all that he has done up until his passing this past weekend. I mean, last weekend, actually, in a helicopter crash, he preached a lot about having that Mamba mentality. I mean, I don't know if you understand what that is when it comes down to that, the Mamba mentality. It was all about, you know, trying to train at your best so you can perform at your best. But if there's anything that you would probably understand from that Mamba mentality and want to pass to, you know... The fighters at UWF USA or any other fight gym across the country or around the world, what would that be? Well, first of all, I got to clarify that Mamba mentality. I've learned that from when I was a kid from my dad when I started playing soccer. Mijo, corre, 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 run faster, run as fast as you can. And then I was like, he had ankle surgery. And then, mind you, I live in Southgate, so I don't know if you're from the LA area. Mm -hmm. He had ankle surgery because it was bothering him. And then he went, he spent like a month at home watching novelas. And then 
as soon as they, that thing came off and then I guess the doctor cleared him, they said, yeah, he said, yeah, you can go to work. He was driving a 70s bug, which was standard transmission, <laughs> from L.A. to San Diego every day wow. with a fresh off a of surgery ankle. So that mamba mentality and everything, yeah, yeah, it sucks that he passed and everything, but that mamba mentality, I actually got from my daddy years ago. So for me, it was, it was nothing new. For me, it was just, oh, yeah, this is something that my dad taught me a long time ago. Try your best, work hard, and good things will happen. Even my mom taught me that when I was um, when I was in junior high, but she bribed me. She was like, you get an A in algebra, I'll give you 100 bucks. I was like, say no more. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can understand that because my father had like an ACL tear when I was like nine or ten, and he had to stay home from work for like about three months, and he ended up working again off of that freshly, you know, off that freshly repaired ACL. And my brothers were basically playing football. My brothers ended up playing high school football. And my older brother ended up playing, like, indoor football. And they probably felt most of that mentality from my dad breaking his ACL. So, I mean, yeah, it's sad for me because I never really got that mentality because I got fucking relegated to being a fucking equipment manager <laughs> in high school. <laughs> But but still, I think we all understand that Mamba mentality is basically to go out, do your best, and, you know, train like you want to fight. Not train like, oh, you know, I gotta take this shit, let me go ahead and get a cash grab. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, uh, Kobe Bryant was, of course, he was a, he was a, a major figure in LA, you know, and he did wonderful things for the LA Lakers. And, you know, like I said, I'm not a big basketball fan, but even I knew who Kobe Bryant was. And anytime he did anything amazing, I heard about it, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, it was weird because it's like, I got into it with one of my friends on Facebook because that's where you take all your arguments. Um, you know, you, um, you know, it's his passing is sad, but let's mourn him losing his life but let's celebrate his life like and let's aspire to do the things i mean like for me it's not basketball but i'm sure that he's inspired a generation of basketball players with work ethic with putting up certain you know putting up numbers getting rebounds and everything mm -hmm. but transcending basketball you know just doing your best and and always being accountable and you know doing your thing to the best of your ability Mm-hmm, and I mean, the same can be, you know, put into fighting, especially when it comes down to MMA. Yeah. The problem is that people don't want to, people don't want to look at the, people don't want to, um, they don't want to look at where they learned the lesson, they'd rather look at somebody like Kobe because it's like, oh, well, he's famous so i can learn the same lesson is like no two plus two is four no matter where you go if you learned it from your dad you got it from your dad not necessarily just kobe you just celebrate kobe more than your dad hmm, understood and i mean for me learning from both my brothers and my father and my little sister i mean i can totally understand that <laughs> what'd your sister do oh my sister she i think she was in I think she was in band for like a couple of years, and I think she was also in like ROTC or something. Alright. What instruments did she play, if you remember? I think she played like the clarinet or the flute or something. Alright. I mean, I know what it was definitely the clarinet. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my girl plays the, uh, played the saxophone. <laughs> Because which is funny because sometimes we'll do sprints and I can see the band training mm -hmm. in her sprints. Her back is straight and she's just running and I'm like, why are you running like Conor McGregor walks? <laughs> like you can argue, you can lean your head forward and kneel and run, but her back is straight up. I'm like, man, you are like a piece of plywood and just running against the wind. Like, turn your shoulders, use your arms, pump your arms, but it's just hilarious to watch. Right, right. And you know what? Speaking of Conor McGregor... I gotta get your opinion about that little shoulder shrug knockout he had over Donald Cerrone. 
I didn't know that boxers didn't do that for years before Conor McGregor did, but <laughs> boxers were doing it. Randy Couture was doing it. All sorts of people were doing it. I think it was just that, like I said, in the same example of um, you learned your father's lessons, but you celebrate Kobe doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn these lessons from older older fighters doing shoulder bumps in boxing, shoulder bumps against the cage, like Randy Couture. Mm-hmm. But then Conor McGregor does it, and it's like, oh, yeah, did you guys see that shoulder bump? It's like, man, this is not new. Like, why are you going? Whatever. But... Um, even GSP, when he would, uh, he, uh, he had mount, or he would have, um, yeah, he would have mount on somebody, and he would just do a little push-up and smash their face against the floor, uh, between his chest and the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another form of shoulder bump, but, you know, it's funny, because I talk to some people, and they're like, oh, that fight was fixed. And the first thing I always say is, you ever been in a, in a, in a professional fight with a knockout artist? No. So how are you going to tell me that this guy... Almost getting his head taken off by shoulders and then getting kicked in the face and then being pounded. How are you going to tell me that's fake? This guy just came, uh, Cowboy Cerrone just came off of two TKO losses before that. Mm-hmm. You know, so how are you going to tell me that's fake? The guy's nose is sideways. <laughs> well, Vic, I don't know if you remember as well, uh, people were... Uh, calling the Tenshin Nasakawa kickboxing match, a regular boxing match against uh, Boyd Mayweather as well. So it happens all the time for any fights. Yeah, I think what happens is that people don't get the the violence that they that they craved. You know, because of course, um, Cowboy Cerrone and McGregor. If they don't knock somebody out, it turns out to be a violent fight. And that's what people wanted to see. And, you know, us as a, as a fight community, mm-hmm. we appreciate the violence. Even I find myself sometimes where it's like, this is not a technical fight, but man, those two dudes are swinging. Hmm. Or those two girls are just beating the crap out of each other. And it's, there's blood everywhere and there's like a savagery behind it, right? So that has its place in the entertainment aspect of it, but then a sweet submission has its place. It's not as bloody, but then people don't like that one. They just want to see blood and guts. Right, right, of course. And, you know, it's funny that you talk about the entertainment aspect of it because, of course, Andrew, you're a SAG after, no, you're a SAG after certified actor. Victor, you're trying to be a stuntman, as I talked with you before the show about... I mean, how do you think, I mean, for both of you, really, especially you, Andrew, who do jujitsu work, how do you think that work as an actor apply into training? That question to me or is that to Victor? Well, it's to both of you, really. Oh, oh you're the guest after you. All right, well, you know, as far as the, the training goes for it, I haven't done anything really specific with my training in um, in the in the very small amount of uh, movies. Uh, I think I've done three. Yeah, I think I think I've done two or three. Mm-hmm. I haven't really used any of my um, any of my training in those. Um, in one, I was a ninja where I got my head thrown through a wall, so it wasn't I wasn't trying to armbar or anything. So, it, so I mean. It, it, it plays into that. You know, I honestly, if, if I'm being honest, doing my, uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll play wrestle with Josh, mm-hmm. but in the, in the, in the, in the working style, like WWE. So I'll be like, I'll chop him in the chest. They'll chop me, you know, front kick me and I'll hit the deck, you know, like, but that's because we're about to start warming up either a, we're a little early for practice or we stayed over after we do our little extra technique and like, we'll play around, you know? So that kind of stuff actually helps me in the little in, in, in my very limited acting career, you know. Um, in the other movie I did, Pandemic, there was no martial arts about it. I was just an infected person running up on an ambulance and smashing a window, you know. Mm-hmm. So really, no martial arts there. But if anything, it did. Martial arts did give me the uh, the avenue in which to make the connection to start doing that. Right, right. You know, because, I, you know, if I didn't start martial arts, then I wouldn't have met Josh, and Josh is the one that kind of 
reached his his hand out and was just like, hey, my my buddy's doing a movie. You want to be a part of it? And I said, sure. Or, hey, this guy needs uh, extra actors. You want to do that? I can't do it, but can you? And I was like, yeah, sure, I can do it. So I go and I get my I get you know a couple days on set. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm a I'm a I'm an ugly uh, infected person. You know, all of a sudden I'm trying to hit this I hit this window. And it's weird because uh, I remember in that movie Pandemic, it started off with we want you to kind of like briskly jog up to an ambulance and bang on the bang on the hood. Mm-hmm. And then that you know four hours later turned into me full-blown sprinting up to this ambulance, doing a one-hop on top of this ambulance hood, banging on the window in front of a camera, doing, like, this guttural sound, you know. And then after, in the movie, they hit the gas, but then I fly off the side. And then the uh, the, the visual director or whatever, he was, like, he, he was a small, I don't know if he was German, but he was, he, he was some sort of European, but he sounded like Roger from... Uh, from American Dad, mm-hmm. he goes, "You are crazy. You are crazy. The way you would jump on the ambulance was crazy." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, dude, <laughs> no problem." Well, I guess if, uh, to answer that question my, from my perspective is that I, at least with martial arts, I get you kind of. I guess it's kind of it's kind of like if you watch a movie and you're watching characters drive. You can tell which actor actually drove driven a car, and which ones have not. When they're like playing with the wheel, and they're like, they're like, they're, they're, it looks like they're like going three sixty with the wheel and all that stuff because clearly nobody talks about how to drive. You can tell the the, the, the stunt people who have done like actual martial arts. Like if you watch John Wick and John Wick movies, the actors that they hire for like the villains are actual martial arts guys. So when they are doing moves, when they are receiving damage, they look like they're actually either getting hurt and also delivering uh, the the pain. As opposed to actors who are being taught it, who are over, have like two, are like five, six, seven days, and then they gotta like go on the set and then do like that. Does that make sense, Christian? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I was like to say, I worked on this episode of Person of Interest that was focused around MMA. And I don't know who the MMA choreographer was, but I don't know if this person would ever actually MMA fight because the way that they were, that they were choreographing the MMA fight, it was like a really terrible action movie. <laughs> and it looked like, if you watch the episode, it's called, it's called Q&A. It looks terrible in film. It's like the whole option of the movie Warrior. It look, just looks like an absolute Yeah, well, you know, MMA for film is a lot different than actual MMA. Because oh, yeah. you, you have, like, some of the stuff I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But they were like, oh, it's because the way the camera catches it, if you do it this way you can't even tell that it happened. And I was like, oh, you got to make it look like a, a big thing in order to... Uh, yeah, I think in the episode, the, uh, the, 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 the girl who does, the actress who does MMA in the show, she actually does like a, a pro wrestling flying arm bar. Of, uh, like, she does like, uh, uh, like a, an arm, a, a flying arm bar that, that's... And, and somehow get that armbar into a straight armbar uh, with the with the opponent on the ground uh, from some from side mounts. And I just, there is no, I have never seen that in an MMA, in a, in an MMA match. But uh, it's like it's something out of pro wrestling. Like they hired a pro wrestler to do to uh, to choreography the uh, MMA match in that movie and that show. Yeah, well, I'll I'll try and make it work for you. <laughs> I think the Warrior did, did. Warrior is probably the best. You know, don't watch it. Like, if you ever watched the Never Back Down movies? That's like, it, it, I think they they purposely do that bad in those movies. But Warrior is actually probably legitimately the, the most legit MMA choreography for uh, uh, slash stunts for any movie. How dare you? I'm gonna tell Josh. <laughs> 
And you know what? Taco Before... Josh and Michael Jai White. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry that he had to, you know, say that to you. But before you get before you get two badasses on Andrew's case, I just want to talk about the fight again that you're going to have in a rematch from your quintet days against Masanoi Kanehara. Is there anything that you would like to... I mean, he probably not going to understand you because, of course, he doesn't really speak English and he doesn't have social media. But if he were standing next to you face-to-face, -face, like, you know, he already said his piece, he already said, I'm going to go out and do my best and try and beat him again. If there's anything that you would like to say to him or about him, even though this might not reach out to him, what would that be and why? Well, I would I would tell him that it, obviously it's an honor to fight him because he's had he's a he's a multiple organization champ. He's 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 a veteran of the sport and he's been around for a long time. So obviously, props go out to him. I'm training my hardest, so I hope he's training his hardest because we're gonna go out there and we're gonna put on a great show. Okay, I can understand that. And yeah, I'm gonna kick him in the nuts on accident. You don't want to get a red card doing that shit, dude. <laughs> no, no, I don't. They take money for that. Exactly, especially considering the fact that they're doing this under old school pride rules, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But still, is there anything that you would like to say to your fans? Is there any way that your fans can get in contact with you on social media? Yeah, uh, Victor Henry MMA, Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, thanks for the support. You know, I got I got a couple of new sponsors, Gentlemen's Fight Club. And I got, you know, uh, Cold Steel Knives. I'd like to thank everybody over at UFC Gym, La Mirada, all my teammates over at CMMA, Gardena, with Chad George. Um, all the work that we're putting in is is paying off. And I couldn't have done it without, of course, the support of my, my parents, my friends, and my training partners. And, of course, my fans. You know, the other day somebody come up to me as I'm selling them a pizza. And they asked me, oh, hey, aren't you Victor Henry? And I was like, yeah, who, are, who the hell are you? And I always forget that I, that I fight and it's on an international stage. So I'm all like, who the hell are you and how do you know my name? Because in my mind, I'm still a kid from Southgate. You know, I even find myself telling myself sometimes when I grow up as if I'm not 32. You know? So, right. it's still, it's still, uh, it's still new to me. So, of course, when they come up to me, like, yeah, 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 oh, you fought and yada yada. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. Oh, man, it's cool to meet you, blah, blah, blah. So, I'll take a picture with them and then, you know, carry on with my day, you know. And then, you know, it's, it's fun, it's, it's cool to have that, you know. Right, right. And speaking of that international stage, I mean, more recently, Fight TV basically made a mistake in, I think, getting rid of a few events. One of them that you were on, I mean, they got rid of, like, well, actually, they denied access to seeing, like, two years' worth of events, and then, just recently, they restored that access. Now, this has me wondering if Fight TV is going to be even airing Ryzen 21, which I doubt, because, of course, if they do, you are, I mean, all y'all fans are going to be checking out on Fight at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on February 22nd, slash the 21st, out in the Pacific Time Zone. But if your fight wasn't able to be shown on Fight TV or any international platform, would that still basically not... I mean, basically, would it not kill your vibe to fight, you know, on that international stage, even if you weren't shown? No, it wouldn't kill my vibe, because uh, remember, I'm in it to fight. I'm not in it for fame. I'm not in it for notoriety. I got into it because I got into it because I'm into it. You know, all that other stuff is uh, is additional. Obviously, I wouldn't fight for free, but, you know, in some cases, I probably would. But, um, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I'm, I'm a martial artist, you know, and people forget that. You know, and 
I do it, and I I'm doing it to experience the world and experience uh, different cultures and foods and different people and get you know live live my childhood dream of being able to travel and and meet cool people and do cool things. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, do you have any final questions to ask of Victor Henry? Uh, no. Uh, now, Porgy, I'm gonna have to. Uh slide out of here because I'm I'm wanted back uh, I on it set. So this will be my uh this will be my goodbye to both of you. So I'm just gonna slide out of here guys. It was nice talking to everybody. Okay. Alright, no thank problem, you. Have a good day man. Alright, as for those listening, this concludes the interview. As I mentioned before, you can check out the Victor Henry Masanoi Kanehara two, I guess, fight at Ryzen twenty one February 22nd from the Hamamatsu Arena in Hamamatsu, Shizuoka, Japan. It will air live, possibly, on the Fight TV app and Fight.TV at 2 a.m. Eastern Time, February 22nd, 11 p.m. Pacific, February 21st. And that's if Fight doesn't make the mistake of getting rid of future Ryzen shows, which I really hope they don't because it would really piss us all off as a Fight community. Because we love our little niche, old school rise and throwback with a modern, I mean, old school pride throwback with a modern twist. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes seeing a soccer kick to the dome piece. Exactly. But other than that, Victor Henry, I know that we have personally been talking for well over an hour. This podcast has been going for just about an hour. I must bid you adieu, and, you know, thank you for the interview. May peace be with you, and I hope that you can finally extract some revenge to a former, former star. I'm not going to say former star, but a legend in Japanese MMA coming up. Thank you very much, man. It was an honor being here, and thanks for having me, man. No problem, man. Anytime. Hmm.